Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. That's gonna make the fin difference between winning and losing! Welcome into another edition of 11 Personnel. I'm Nick Roush, joined as always by Adam Luckett, Oklahoma's finest. That, that's not his Twitter handle, though. That's, that's your brother's. Yes, that's correct. Um, Mr. Roush, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. It's um, it's getting hot, though. It's we getting- are, a, yeah, it's, it, it's definitely starting to heat up. Definitely grass cutting season. May 19th, mm-hmm. Wednesday, we're recording at we'll take it's 1 16 p.m eastern standard time right now we are officially 100 days out from the college football season starting before week zero 100 days from week zero kicking off yeah so now i think this is this is kind of we're getting in the dog days territory well the good thing is is we're getting just enough stuff to kind of drag us along a little bit uh so i know that earlier this week ESPN, they announced their kickoff times and network assignments mm-hmm. for opening week. That was a good start. And in today, we also got coaching rankings from CBS Sports, which we're really going to dive into. What uh, it did his entire rankings himself as well, one through 65. So we'll be able to kind of compare notes, compare and contrast. Uh, but before we get into the meat and potatoes of this podcast, There was a lot of kind of little news tidbits throughout the week. Uh, You know, we learned that Will Levis, after graduating from Penn State, instead of hanging around, he got straight to Lexington. He's on Kentucky's campus. And what I love like it is that even though we only got, you know, we haven't really got much new on the quarterback competition. I know Liam Cohen was on KSR last week. We haven't gotten anything new. And you check the KSR comment section. There's 30 comments talking about Will Levis and quarterbacks. Like that's, oh, love it. I absolutely love it. That drives the train. People love quarterback competitions. And I think Levis arriving early, I don't think that should be a surprise. I think he got down here at literally as fast as he could. Hope that gas shortage didn't hurt him. <laughs> right, <laughs> getting, right. Getting here from the East Coast. But, you know, I didn't. It is significant in that they don't have to be here until June, and there's nothing official happening. Uh, the team is currently off. This is one of the two times they get off all year long between graduation and uh, summer workouts in June. Uh, but he'll still be able to do. He'll still be able to get into the facility, uh, work out. He'll be able to throw with his receivers, whoever else is still in town. Uh, so I do think that it is. Uh, there is still something to him getting here uh, a few weeks early. Yeah, it's vacation time. Like, if the players are going to go on a trip with their families, now's the time to do it. I think you've seen some players on Instagram, Twitter, posting pictures of whatever beach trip they're making. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is the time to step away. But, yeah, it, it's the official season kind of starts for them in June. Like, it's June all the way through once they get back on campus mm-hmm. um, with some with weightlifting, conditioning, training, and then getting into fall camp when that arrives what, first week of August or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think it now with Levis, now in Lexington, the quarterback competition has officially begun. I think we even heard Liam Cohen talk about how the spring wasn't really a competition. It was more install. 
yeah. in the fall camp is going to be position competition. And that and now I think that starts now with um, getting together, um, throwing the ball, seven running seven on sevens um, individually for the next couple months over the summer, building a rapport with the receivers and leaning that into camp and then seeing how the, the competition goes. But, yeah, I think it's definitely a competition that has started now and it's Levis versus Gatewood and we're going to be trying to dig and get as much information as possible but we're probably not going to know anything I would imagine until game week or week or the Thursday before game week starts there at the end of August. They're going to try to keep the results of that first scrimmage. Scrimmage, right. That that one's going to be incredibly tight lit. but I think after the second one we'll have a good idea and it won't be you know, I I don't even know if Stoops will name a starter or not on week one. I, I think he he I think he will. He's usually been team name starter instead of waiting up till game time or right. kickoff or whatever. Um, but I think after that second scrimmage, we'll have a good idea of who it will be. Uh, but that's a long way away. Like you said, it's uh, a little under a hundred days from that that second scrimmage that they usually do two weeks, I believe two weeks prior to kickoff. So. Uh, we'll mm-hmm. learn more then. You didn't mention something that I want to bring up. Dude, how great would it be to be a football player in June? Like, your day is either work out, go to class, or go to class, then work out. And then you're done at, like, 1 o'clock. Yeah. A lot of Xbox. People oh. like to play golf. Play pool some time. golf. I mean, pool. The, the, right. like the pool at the Lex. That was the the happening place back in the day. Like, did you ever do a summer in Lexington? I did two summers in Lexington. How great were they? Just they, no traffic. Uh, su- college <laughs> summer is it's so college much fun. summer is is fun because it feels not like as many people are there. Yeah, it feels like you got it to the campus to yourself. You know. Yeah, more, more selective. The pool, like if you got somebody like somebody lives in an apartment complex with a nice pool. Mm-hmm. That's always something to do during the weekdays. It's just, I mean, it's oh. it's a mini version of spring break, really. Yeah, yeah. And when you're, like, I was underage for one of them. I didn't even have a fake ID, but it did not yeah. matter. I was, they were, I'm five inches. Going to two keys on Tuesdays oh, for fish bowls. Oh, they yeah. don't, so don't give a damn. And the best part, too, yeah. like Tin Roof, you aren't waiting in line for a drink at Tin Roof. That place, yeah. it gets shoulder to shoulder. No, it's nice mm-hmm. and relaxed. Summers in Lexington really are the bomb. Uh, which that is kind of like right now you talk about, you can start to feel it. The humidity, pretty gross, but at night and in the mornings, it's nice and cool. Kind of sit out on the back porch. It's uh, kind of, I'm getting, I'm getting a little yeah, fired up. This like was uh, the best. Yeah. This was the best time. I think honestly, cause you're out of like, you're done with school and a lot of the summer school starts in June. So if you're in any classes over the summer, you kind of had this two, three week break. And then, and so right now this is, like this is this is the best, probably the best time to be to the, be those guys. Some are still on campus, some are going home. Then you get back on campus, and then when you get back on campus, it's fun to see everybody again. Yeah, yeah, because you, you like you're, you're haven't seen each other in a few weeks. Yeah, you were probably getting sick of seeing each other too. Uh, yeah, but now you're back to like talking shit about who's lifting better. You know, just stuff like that. The kind of mm-hmm. uh, BS and around and. You're not going to have to deal with all the COVID protocols anymore. Like this yes, is yeah. Like for me. Derby was my, oh, I'm back to normal. They're not going to feel normal until they get back in June. And it, it really is going to be like hitting the reset button. You just know there's yeah. going to be a lot of juice in the air over at the yeah. craft facility. Yeah. back the, For me, it's going to be probably going to that first football game where people are actually tailgating. 
God, there's a lot of people in the seats. That was so terrible. No tailgating. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> that, that's like going to the Gator Bowl, like being able to drink a beer in the parking lot was like a, <laughs> a, a new baptism for me. Oh. I was like, man, this I missed this. But at the same time, it was really weird because mm-hmm. no one's really – like there were some people tailgating, but everybody yeah. spaced out. They had the mass police running up and down, make sure everybody's social distancing. But, yeah, I, I think that first – the first tailgate when uh, old Terry Bowden runs, rolls into town, I think that's going to be an exciting time. Uh, just a little over 100 days away until that kickoff September 4th against Louisiana Monroe. And uh, we, we've got some updates because right now, Stoops, he's still he, – he's got he has some coaching things in the mix. So uh, the first that uh, our boss, Matt Jones, reported, uh, Javon Bonite, Coach Bo, is remaining on Stoops' staff. He's being – disciplined internally after he was arrested for a DUI a couple of weeks ago in Northern Kentucky. And as we'll see with the defensive back coaching search, I think some of it is the timing of this and the complications of trying to find a new guy to fill that spot in May. Uh, and I also think some of this is Stoops is a guy that has never hesitated to give people second chances. I think we talked about it last week. I think we both expected him to be back mm-hmm. for a multitude of reasons. But at the same time, I don't think it'd be crazy if they were looking for a new receiver coach in December. Right, right. So we're just going to have to see how it plays out. I think this is probably the right move, bring him back, handle it internally, mm-hmm. um, and just deal with that that in-house and see how, how, what, how that goes and do what the community service, whatever he's got to do for that. Yeah, I was about to say – I wonder what the discipline is for like it's not like you can run a coach like you can run a player you know so I guess community service is probably the discipline maybe you get docked a couple weeks pay or something like that like a suspension of sorts I mean go through like an alcohol program or something I don't yeah I don't know what the university bylaws are Mm -hmm. I would imagine a lot of it is don't you f and do it again kind of thing (laughs) you know like there's not much he's a he's a grown he's a gam he's a grown ass man you know there's not much there's not much you can say to him. He knows what he did was wrong, blah, blah, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really, a, I think that's really it. Now, yeah, I don't know if like, if in a university employee, if they have something in a contract where they have to go through some type of training, if that happens, that may, yeah. that may, that may be the case. Do you, do you remember? I know they the, made me go through something when yes. I got caught having a party in college. There, so, <laughs> yeah. so is you, Jovan Bunite, is he going to be down at the soup kitchen with some college kids? Oh, uh, or working the Goodwill. Dinners? Dude, the Goodwill yeah. was the, the most. Goodwill, yeah. That was where everybody that, went yes, for their diversion community service. A uh, little spoiler. I, I don't know if they still do this. I think they got in trouble for it. But the Goodwill that's on um, whatever that road that Lexcath is on. I can't I can't think of it off the Clay's Mill. Clay's Mill. Uh, been there yes yeah that goodwill would just <laughs> you would just show up for one day and they would just say just fill in the blank for your community service hour so you yeah. can knock out yeah. 15 in three mm-hmm. hours it was it was clutch guy would you know stay here for five hours i'll sign you for 15 kind of thing <laughs> it's great oh yeah. man getting out of trouble yeah i kind of miss it but i'm also glad uh because getting in trouble now much more serious as coach Bo mm-hmm. was seeing uh as for the Defensive back coaching vacancy left by Steve Klinkscale. Jonathan Cooley was the the guy that they had zeroed in on, as Football Scoop likes to use in their terminology. And uh, Josh Edwards over at 24-7 reported that there was some back and forth, and 
Uh, he ultimately accepted the Rams offer to stay on the staff. If you don't know the name, Cooley started his career as a GA for Stoops and Clinkscale uh, back in 2015. He moved up that coaching ladder, went to the Mac, and then uh, is now in the professional ranks. And look at, I got to say, I was kind of surprised because that would, even though you, you would be going from the NFL to college, this would be the first time he would be a, a legit position coach. Whereas kind of in the sense like Cohen, he's in that just general assistant staff where you're the assistant to the assistant kind of deal. Uh, basically a GA or an analyst in the NFL, right? Yeah, you're so, glorified kind of, you're an analyst in the NFL, but you can actually do stuff on the field. Right, right. So I was, I was kind of surprised to see Cooley turn, turn it down. Yeah, I mean, it could be a thing where he maybe think that's too big of a jump for him right now, or he may want to ride out this NFL train because mm-hmm. you don't have to recruit. Yeah, yeah. It's a that's... lot more manageable job, he, and he might just like living in L.A. That's 30 true. 30-year-old guy. Yeah. Just kicking it. So, yeah. yeah he might have a new girlfriend. He's like, eh, I probably need to see this through. You know, you're right. You, you don't know. I do think the recruiting aspect uh, plays a significant part in this because mm-hmm. – I mean, as we mentioned last week, Clink did a bang up job recruiting. And uh look at that's why when you when you told me about Archie Collins's recruiting background, it even though the the boss man said it's it's wide open right now, I believe that that the job uh what do you, the job posting is is coming up this week, is expiring this week. And I, I think I would like him to be my my number one candidate on the on the big board. Yeah, he makes the most sense when you just kind of look at it. Four four year old coach high school ball in the for nine seasons. He's from Michigan. Was a grad assistant at Michigan State under Dan Tony, oh, and Pat Narduzzi. Then went to Central Michigan for five years, worked as an assistant. Then has joined up with Pat Narduzzi at Pittsburgh four years. And while with Pittsburgh, he's recruited Metro Atlanta. He's kind of built a little um, Georgia pipeline for the Panthers are getting a handful of players from Georgia and he also recruited Ohio but with with actions you could see him kind of seamlessly fitting in with Kentucky there in Michigan if you wanted to take over that area he could help out um there in the Atlanta area I know Anwar Sewer is hitting it right now but it's Kentucky is ready to attack Georgia uh more uh judiciously in the in the recruiting trail and then also I think Nashville probably an area Kentucky's built relationships, maybe he can go in and kind of help with too. So, yeah, I think he, he checks a lot of boxes, it seems like to me. Um, to bring him in would make would make a lot of sense. I think he would be a pretty pretty nice fit. And then when you look at some of the assistants they've been able to steal here recently, they saw, you know, they took a receiver coach from Oregon. They took a running back coach from Wisconsin, and they could take a secondary coach from Pittsburgh. That's nice plucking, I think. Mm-hmm. That, that I think looks good on Stoops and tells you on the outside. How they see how they see that that this job with Stoops here. There's a lot of stability and uh, room for growth. I think for these assistants. Nope, you're 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 exactly right. So uh, I still don't think we'll know anything. And at least when we're talking this time next week, or maybe even the week after that. But I would imagine that that is locked up, ready to roll by June 6, whenever the camps begin once again. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would imagine it happens. We said Memorial Day week or week before Memorial Day, I think, last week. I, I would imagine we'll know sometime next week who the new guy is. 
Yeah, I think it would oh man, Memorial Day weekend's next week. Heck yes. I just love yeah. all of this the stuff got going on right now. Very pumped. Got mm-hmm. like grad parties, downside just playing in vacations. Not really vacations as much as like weekend trip here and there. I just uh fired up. Summer going, moving, shake it, doing. We're back. Yeah, we're yeah, we're now obviously we'll have our own personal time away and stuff, but business wise, things are gonna be picking up. You got recruiting camps, mm-hmm. media days, practice. Maybe they'll actually let us go to practice. <laughs> do you think it's still gonna be <laughs> do you yeah. think it's still gonna be Zoom only? Come train so camp, or you think they're gonna have like some in person stuff? I think that I think that media day that they will have a somewhat normal media day that makes sense and i think that they will probably have like a zoom optional thing where uh whenever they bring in the lead assistant you know cohen or uh why you know i i think they might do like kind of what tennessee did in their josh hypo intro uh, or they just might completely do away with it at all, completely. That's what – I was wondering if they would – okay, like Monday Stoops talks on a game week, that would be Zoom. Yep. Tuesday, offensive coordinator talks, that would be Zoom. They would open up to where the play, people there could get the players. Because yeah. it used to be where you could get multiple players, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. After I, Tuesday, I Wednesday to, practice. You know, six or seven of them sometimes, and, you know. Right. And now you don't get – you know, we've got one, one per week or whatever. Yeah, and that – you know, it's also nice too when not everybody's getting the same stuff, and I can just talk to them like humans instead of through a screen because you have much more human interactions with folks when you're not talking through a screen. Right. So I'm hoping that's the case. Uh, we'll see. We're also planning out just road trips and stuff, and man, I, I'm just it's exciting, exciting to be back. Mm-hmm. Woo! It's a good time to be alive. Yeah, and. Um, it, we've also got some other exciting kind of big picture news. So there's two things here, Luckett, that I thought, huh, okay, that's pretty interesting. 24-7 called for a 6-0 start for the Wildcats. But Vegas, when putting together the odds, they're actually in Missouri with the third best odds to win the SEC East. And had Kentucky with tied with Tennessee at 14 to 1. Look at I I understand having Tennessee and Kentucky on the same level because you're gonna get probably more money coming from the Tennessee side. So you, you gotta make those odds a little bit lower. But from the Missouri standpoint, that's the what are, is is Vegas or do they've got the same Bruce Feldman treatment that all the former app state coach gives to the media I, I i i don't really i don't get it especially when you look at the schedules too their schedule it's not so much different than in kentucky's and they yeah. gotta play kentucky on the road so i can you can you explain to me that i don't know those conference odds are always odd to me i don't know how they come up with them um yeah i don't know maybe they're drinking they're drinking that drink of what's kool-aid no pun intended oh pun intended come on but uh yeah i i can't really explain that with missouri i know that that must, that's game that week two. That's a huge game because if you win that week two game, Kentucky can be six and zero. Also, they said, "Oh, well, I'm not. I'm just now." So they're saying beat Florida and LSU back to back. Yeah, yeah. They're saying LSU's well, first now. loss is going to be Kentucky. <laughs> that'd be something now. Hell yeah, it would. And then could you imagine? Let's play. Let's let's live in this. Well, dream big. Dream I mean, big for a little while. 
So when we go to Athens, Kentucky six and zero. The the week that would be leading into that game, and Georgia would have a loss because I think they play Alabama. Or no, never mind. They they probably be six and zero too. But yeah, or no, they play Clemson, so they might be five and one. Yeah, that would be that'd be a fun week in October. <laughs> yeah, leading into that game. So I'm actually going to pull up something here because in so if Kentucky, we're going to dream big here. I think I think Kentucky LSU by the way that they're they're scheduling this out. I think that could be a game day game. You have Alabama at AM, which that that'd be tough to beat. Are you that, looking at F do you got the schedule pulled up? I do. That that would be I'm the toughest right one to beat. Georgia's at Auburn as well. So that one, yeah. Gosh, I tried to dream real big there, but I still can't see him putting Well, Cincinnati at Notre Dame, that's gonna be a that could be one. Is that it, it could be more of a big noon though. But no, they don't have rights to that. Well, American they'll go. So, yeah. Game day will go. They don't care who has it. That's but, yeah, true. I mean, it, I guess it, Damn it, it all just depends. There's too many good games that weekend. And Michigan, Nebraska, they're they're big name. God. They won't well, do Auburn. I think Auburn low-key might, might stink this year. Right. Um, let me see. I'm scrolling through here. Yeah, the only other real big one, just from a name standpoint, is Michigan, Nebraska. Maybe if both yeah. teams are undefeated or so. Oh, Red you River Shootout. No, out. it's Red River Shootout because ESPN's got the rights to Red River Shootout for the first time in a long time. They'll go there. Yeah, they'll set probably, up shop. They'll hype up Sark, and right then they'll have Lee Corso shooting the guns right before kickoff. Damn it! Why? Uh, if only it was a different way. I still think you're going to get the Kentucky primetime slot just because. Of Keeneland and the TV networks are kind of yeah. enough to cater to Keeneland. Yeah, you could get the seven o'clock ESPN game. Yeah, which which is something they haven't gotten in a while at home. Oh, particularly at home. I think they got it at Alabama last year. But before they got that, uh, Florida, Florida twenty nineteen, they got it. Okay, you had Mc. Well, what McDonough at the time? But it's the I think of, is it's, it McDonough? He might it's have been McDonough there by team. that time, but it is the McDonough Blackledge, which I really yeah. like Todd Blackledge, even though yeah. notice he kind of looks like Dan Mullen, which yeah, that's good. That's one of my favorite broadcast teams, them. And I think McShay's with them, I believe. Yeah, yeah. He's their sideline analyst. Not sideline reporter, sideline analyst. Uh, they let him chime in a little bit more. But to to dream big outside of the what the TV ratings kind of thing, dude. I mean one knock early on in the Stoops era was kind of getting hyped up for these big games and the dream big games. And then they, they, they don't win that game at home. A lot of Stoops' biggest wins have come on the road, uh, whether yeah. it's Citrus Bowl. Or the bowl games, right. Right, right. you know, like the, the, the Missouri walk-off. Most of the big wins have come on the road. Now, in 2018, you beat Mississippi State when they're in the top 25, but it, was, it wasn't good weather, so you didn't have a sold-out stadium. And – you know, Kentucky fans, we just kind of look down on Mississippi State. We don't get as hyped for that as we should. Yeah. I hope that's not the case for the Missouri game. But I do think the just yearning to, to get back to the Krogue will ultimately convince a yeah, bunch of people to come out. Because um, It'll be know, a 730 kick, too. It's yeah, it'll be the SEC, SEC Network. Network special. Right, right. So so when you're dreaming big, if you – so if you beat Missouri at night, okay, 
You get fans pumped. You beat the snot out of South Carolina. They're going to be really bad. Then you deliver and beat Florida at home. Because how many people just want to witness a Kentucky win over Florida? I think the last win over a Florida at home, that was the 86 game, correct? With Higgs and whatever, 86 or 84 yeah, uh, yes, or whatever. Yes. It was like 10 to 9 or whatever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, that. that is – I mean, it's almost 30 years. And so – if you can deliver on that promise and then take down a team that won a title two years ago. Yeah. I mean, you would have that whole, that whole week. If you beat Florida, you're sitting there at five and oh, that's, it's going to be a crazy week. You would have to think that's going to be a hot, very hot ticket. Um, the tailgate, I mean, number one, it's LSU coming into town for the first time since I believe. Oh, seven. Yeah. Yeah. So you got all, all of that. will be brought up. Like we'll have the, Oral histories of the 07 game and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Get uh, Rich Brooks talk about his tomatoes. Um, right. But which, then, by uh, the way, I'm planting some tomatoes too. So watch out, Rich Brooks. Coming for you. Yeah. And you got that Keeneland special. LSU tra- is going to travel in droves for Keeneland mm-hmm. um, for that game. I, you'd have to believe. Yeah. It'd just be a, it'd be a fun, fun, fun time. And, but you're right. The home, that's the one thing he, like, he hasn't done is deliver some big home wins so if you do that he's got, he's got two great opportunities my goodness the if you can win both of them kentucky fans will be in banana land and all right we're all going to athens yeah <laughs> you know because then then it is that that's that's a battle for the sec east in october you know and i know mm-hmm. you still have to go on the road against mississippi state uh which is starkville is a house of horrors as we've well documented on this podcast but Man, having that kind of mojo, especially when a lot of people think that this is this is where Kirby gets his group, may, may, that this is the year Kirby actually does win it all. JT Daniels is the difference maker. If you're the one to pull out the you know the Lucy with the football and just pull it out from underneath it, maybe it's maybe it's game day at Georgia. You know? Yeah, yeah. CBS probably there if that's the case. Dreaming big. Thanks. Thanks for letting us dream big 24-7. That's what that's what the month of May is for college football. Yeah. It's for dreaming big. Yeah. But I think but I think the, the goal should be all right, beat Missouri week two, take care of the non-con, win at South Carolina, and get to four get to four and out of September. And then get one of those. Split, yeah. Just get and then one. if you're five and two at going into the bye, in all the last five games are all very winnable. Mm-hmm. You're five and two coming out of the bye. If you could, you know, win four, you're going to be nine and three. If you can even win three of the five, you're going to be yeah. eight and four. Parting with top twenty-five. That's winning out too is obtainable, but there's TJ, my my radio co-host TJ Walker, reminded me how bad Kentucky's been out of the bye week. Is it, when I first saw the schedule, I tried to convince myself, oh well. You know, they got a week to rule out, you know, get get their stuff together before they go to Starkville. I'm pretty sure the post-bye week trip to – pretty sure when Dak beat Kentucky 42-7 yep. to seven and Vince went nuts was after a bye week as well. So Yes, they've, they've lost, I think, twice going to Mississippi State out of the bye. Yeah, that, so – That last one you're talking – that wasn't Dak. That was Fitzgerald. Oh. And Vince went crazy on the team. That was great. And they all happened in the same around the same time in the calendar. I feel like, yeah, late October. So that that's the one that I mean, Mississippi State they play spoiler quite often against Kentucky. If you don't, if you if you get through the bye, 
So, so we're getting to the bye five and two. You beat Mississippi State, then I'm convinced you're going ten and two because Louisville stinks. Vandy's going to even if Vandy throws some fight. Stink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You beat Mississippi State there, <sighs> and then you can kind of ride some momentum to end the year. It's exciting. Very exciting. Oh, That's think why about I, how I packed think... that place will be for Tennessee just to, like, just rub it in their faces. Yeah. Oh, man. I think there's a scenario where this could be the third or – let's okay, the best Stoops teams. All right, number one is 2018. Number two, you could have a debate. I think you could argue 16, 19, or 19. 20. I think you could 20 in there if you throw the full season. I think 20 kind of – 20 got skewed a little bit because the pass game was so bad and they played three top 10 offenses. You put that 2020 defense in another season. Oh, yeah. That's probably a top 20 defense, top 20, top 25 defense. You look at, they had two starting corners, two two pros at starting starting at cornerback, and all SEC safety and Corker, who will be this year, a first-round Mike linebacker, a stud at nose. Josh Pascoe is going to be a draft pick. I think Jordan Wright and Weaver on the edge could be draft picks. Like, that, that, that was a good defense. It just, they... The numbers were skewed because they play three, I think, top ten offenses that just lit them up. So yeah, I think you, you know, I think the arguments there. But say hell, if you put them on that sixteen right. team too, they're freaking juggernaut because they could they could put up some points. In exactly, 16. exactly. Um, but man, but that's what I'm is, saying. If this team is, is like tough the, if this to say is the who's third the or second four, best team, yeah, the third. Uh, let's just say they're in that that glob with sixteen, a twenty or nineteen twenty. They can't like that's eight and four with this schedule. I think, personally, hmm. um, now I think sixteen you probably have to drop down because their defense was so bad. But then you kind of go back and forth with twenty because offense was so bad. So it's kind of a yin right. yang there. But yeah, I think I just think the schedule because that sixteen team should have. I mean, they dropped an egg that first game, but once they kind of found themselves, got their feet out, they were a mm-hmm. top thirty team. I think that year. Um, but yeah, I think you could make the make the argument that. You know, if you're just if you're just in that area for Kentucky this year, then eight and four is there with this schedule. So my question to you, aside from actually, I think I know your answer to this question, so it doesn't make it as fun. But what what what, what does this team have to do to be the second best Stoops team in from a practical roster production standpoint? What do they have to do to be the best, second best Stoops team? Or help, even yeah. the first. <laughs> yeah, I mean, offensively, it's just finding some semblance of a passing game. Um, having a quarterback that can distribute the football efficiently to their playmakers. Getting Chris Rodriguez. Like, Chris Rodriguez has got to be probably a first-team All-SEC back. I mean, you're talking – I mean, 15, 1,600-yard season where he's just – where everything starts with him and then, you you know, you hit him with stuff off of that. And then defensively – I really just think they got to hold up to what they've done the last three seasons. If they do that, they can just stay in that kind of realm and then they pick up the passing game. I think that's a top 25, top 20 team. And then boom, then that's probably the second best team in the Stoops era. The, the one thing I worry about is from a Havoc stat standpoint, you can't replicate the interceptions and your pass rush struggle. So uh, you're right, but I, that, it was that, also the best run defense we've seen, I think, true. Kentucky's had since Stoops has been here. So that's, that's a little give and take on that together. I do like think I, that this team will be more like the 16 team than any of those others we mentioned, just from a – Yeah, I, it seems I, like you're where the offense is going to carry it a little bit. 
Right, right. Because between, you know, Wandale Robinson, Chris Rodriguez, and Josh Ali and the tight ends, I mean, that's four guys on offense, four offensive skill players with Keaton Upshaw that are going to be NFL players. And if you just have somebody to get it to them, then like this, this will be a rare case where. And a good offensive line again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so that, that's, man, I, I like that. We just went down this road. We didn't expect to go on because. It, it just sucks it's because just it's all of, predicated like, on that damn quarterback again. Well, <laughs> more, than the, I, more than the quarterback. Bottom line is, if Cohen's good, like it's yeah, this yeah. thing. <laughs> Kentucky's hit a hard ceiling right now. Mm-hmm. The reason you hire Cohen is to get a hammer and break the glass. If he can do that, then then that's when we can start. You know, that's when we can start sitting up in our seat a little bit, start talking about oh, ten and two, mm-hmm. sugar bowl trips. God. This is the spot. This is the year we would get Georgia because they have the, they have this, this, and this missing. We have this, this, and this on the Bucket, roster. You do not know how my if if we are in New Orleans on New Year's Eve before a Kentucky football Sugar Bowl, good, good ah, euphoria. I'm like, uh, yes, absolutely. I mean, it's it's galaxy brain. It's just, I mean, I, that get me there. Oh, yeah. You can have your college football playoff. Yes. Give me just, just give me the sugar bowl. <laughs> that's like my version of like Iowa fans when they had that undefeated season, mm-hmm. they were happier that they got to go to the Rose Bowl than to go to the playoff oh. and get curb stomp Alabama. Like I, that's for me. Like yes. have your playoff. Let me go to let me have uh, New Orleans New Year's night, New Year's Day night. Oh, because the, then you the, get to sleep off the hangover no. a little bit. Yes. <laughs> Three days in New Orleans, and then we come home. We have a bunch of regrets to live through, but also got to live a great experience going to that game. Yeah, time me up for that. That would be just – I'd be an all-timer, all-timer. Oh, man. Goodness. But that's but, – but yeah, it, it's the Cohen hire. That's why you make the hire. You mm-hmm. feel like, you know, you've – you've Stoops just raised, raised the floor, but now they're hitting their head on the ceiling. To break through that, the, you know, it's about finding a quarterback, but to do that, you got to get an offensive coordinator to do that. And so that's, we'll see how it goes. But if it, if Cohen hits, it's, it's, it's a game changer. It's an absolute game changer. There's one thing that Cohen said last week that I thought was, it was something new. You know, he, he was on with our boss, Matt Jones. If you don't listen to Cohen every week, I don't blame you. Uh, because from a quarterback standpoint, you know, he didn't really say anything uh, new in that regard, but he did at least acknowledge the lack of depth at wide receiver. And I think when you talk about the depth problem, you just talk about reliable depth. Like you have Wandale and Ali. After that, it's just go show me. Like you, we, we see potential here, but Michael Drennan, Isaiah Cummings, you all just, you, you've got to show me. And he said, he, he hit a spring talking point talking about, well, you know, we can use the tight ends and also the running backs. It's like running backs are, probably our most talented skill position group top to bottom. And we've got to find a way to get more than one on the field at the same time and not just playing them out of the backfield, which, you know, it got the hamster wheels turning and we saw smoke. He caught a couple of hitches last year, uh, split out where, you know, the defense was just like, what the hell is this guy doing out here? This is a decoy. Is he going to do a jet sweep? So 
he's done that previously and Vito Tisdale or not Vito Travis Tisdale he I you know he could be a Trenton Holloway uh jet sweep kind of guy and Jatan McLean I I haven't seen it before but if you play if you start on special teams for a season I assume you've got some god-given athleticism to be able to do some yeah he caught the ball some in high school right yeah I think that's just a version of the NFL game coming for Cohen bringing with him to college uh throwing the ball to the backs is a big deal at the next level and I think he's just trying to do that here because you get it's an easier way to create matchups it's way to create easy throws for your quarterback so yeah I think so, that, something A.J. That, Rose that could, could have used last for. year. Too. Absolutely, yeah. 100%. Because um, I, I know that that's what they're going to be trying to use him in Minnesota. And, and, you know, he's the lack of wide receiver options, quality options, you got to manufacture the pass game somehow, and that's a way to do it is getting the backs involved. I think you're going to see a lot more running back screen game. That's not something we really saw Mm-mm. very much with Grand. I think you're going to see that. I think, yeah, you could definitely see some, like, 21 or 22 personnel using – running back in the slot, motioning, maybe going to empty and then motioning like Rodriguez back into the formation and all like all different types of stuff. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, we, we all have, there are, there are the talking points coaches hit and then we don't ever see that on the field. So there's still not much. We know, you know, we still haven't seen his offense, even in a practice setting. (laughs) So we don't know much. We're just watching the Rams. Yeah. We're going to be in like, we're going to be in just discovery and learn mode for the first six weeks of the season, mm-hmm. trying to figure out, you know, what exactly he wants to do and kind of what, what his MO is, the play caller and all that good stuff. Before he went on KSR, Vince Marrow, he did his, you know, Vince is a good PT Barnum, man. He, he's a great hype man, especially for a guy like Stoops, who, you know, Stoops isn't all about, uh, selling himself that, that kind of deal he, he's not a big let's go to the media and talk some smack kind of deal vince takes care of that for him and he flat out said he's like oh clink's going to michigan i think we're a better pro- nope you know what i don't think we're a better program i know we're a better program and that's what leads us to the cbs annual college football power five coaching rankings ranking all 65 power five teams including notre dame and Vince was right. The The college football panelists put their heads together and put Jim Harbaugh at number 23. One spot behind Mark Stoops at number 22. It's the second straight year Stoops has cracked the top 25. And he stayed put after the five and six season. Uh, they moved him up quite a bit for adjusted on the fly with Bowden. And then last year was kind of a, okay, not bad, but, you know, uh, let's let's do for more some more for me, Mark. Let's do some more for me. Yeah, I think last season he met expectations, all things considered. Um, it was all SEC schedule. They, Like I said, they played three top ten offenses, lost to them because they just didn't have the ammo to keep up for the most part, and he made that change to try to fix that. And I think just the stability. He's been here a while. Kentucky keeps winning. They go to bowls every year. Um, he's meeting expectation. He's raised the program's floor. So, yeah, I mean, I had a mark, a mark at 23, so I think 22 right there is fair. I think that's right where he should be. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Uh, I do think it's – like, I love just uh, – I mean, even though Kentucky – when do we ever come encounter with Michigan fans? But I love the timing of that, uh, ranked higher than Harbaugh, even though uh, it's Tom Fernelli who – 
who actually writes the piece after all of the different people vote. I'm sure that's about a dozen people between yeah. your, your Bud Elliott's, your Chip Patterson's, all of the college football talking heads they got at CBS and 24-7. He's the one that writes them. And I, I agree with Fornelli in that, like, you know, dropping Harbaugh a lot is just – is. I know they were bad last year, but it's yeah. all it's all the Ohio State thing. Like he he he's done more than some guys on there have done. Like Matt Campbell. Like well, the thing with this is Nick is recency bias comes in big on this. You see, Tom Allen made this makes a huge jump. Is Indiana's season last year was it better than Kentucky's twenty eighteen season? No. It was it was almost identical, except Kentucky beat Penn State and beat beat another traditional yeah. power in a bowl game where did Indiana lost the Outback Bowl, correct? So like mm-hmm. yeah and to Ole Miss. Right. So to middle of the road SEC team. Yeah. So like that whereas Kentucky capped it off because it's very similar in that they played the big dog in their division for a chance that's, to that's go to why, the big yeah. title. So like Tom Allen checks in at 20. He made this monstrous jump. Like I had Tom Allen at 24. I had him a spot behind Stoops. I had, had made I had him make a big jump, but like he's not like he's, I don't think he should be ahead of Stoops or uh, some other guys they have him ahead of. Um, let's see here. Like Brian Kelly, they have above Jimbo Fisher and Kirby Smart. He, he, is, has Brian Kelly won a national championship? No. Like, Jimbo Fisher, Ky- he's won one. He's Kirby played Smart Kirby Smart twice one. recently head-to-head and lost both games. <laughs> so, and he – Kirby Smart's recruits at a higher level. He's just in the SEC, so he hasn't been able to make the playoff twice yet. But he, when he made the playoff, he won a game. He didn't get boat raced. He's played Alabama closer than they have, so boat raced. <laughs> I, I, I like just that. that that doesn't that, that doesn't make sense to me. I like the the Kirby Smart stuff. I just don't really understand. I think he's been like really really good, but he gets judged against Saban, which is ridiculous. Like, I wonder, like, with all this playoff stuff, like, how much of it is just save the fatigue is just saving driven? Like, when he retires, how much more, like, open is it going to be? Yeah. Well, and especially in George's case, when you get so close to winning it all and then you're not immediately right back in there. You, and especially in a place like Georgia that is seemingly always the slipper, you know, what? what's the joke is yeah, uh, Gonzaga I mean, is just like Georgia, two bulldogs that all the, can't win the big one. Alabama, LSU, Tennessee, Florida, all the fan bases love to make the 19, you know, you haven't won a national championship since 1980 80. jokes too. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I don't like, I, I don't get why Brian Kelly was like Brian Kelly. I had him at seven. It's not like, I don't think he's good, but like to have those two under him just didn't make much sense to me. Right. And uh it, and then Matt Campbell, I think, is the big one, a big jump. I had him up, I put him at sixteen because my thing with Campbell last year was he hadn't cashed in on the big season. He, and like, he had he one did. last year. It would have been bigger if they didn't drop the opener to Louisiana yeah. at home. Yeah, but they made the Big Twelve <laughs> championship. They were right, they beat they split with Oklahoma, they were right there, and they beat a pretty good Oregon team there in the Fiesta. Bowl. That like that's the big year. He cashed in the top ten finish. That's the big year. And that's so I, I had him a pretty big jump there. But yeah, I just think Recency bias on all this is tough. Like I tried, like I kept Leach in my top twenty-five. They were bad last year, but like it's more of a career kind of award too. Like, correct, done well. But then also I dropped David Cutcliffe a lot because I was like, you know, this has been like five or six years now of where you done. Yeah, just like you just kind of seems like you're just barely hanging on. 
So Whereas yeah, I mean, Cliff just... comes in at 29 on their rankings, and you've got him at where do we see? Where do we see? Keep going down. Oh. I got, I'd see, I dropped him 13 spots from the 30s last for last year, so I got him at 45. Ooh. I just Ooh. so like even I have recency bias on this. Like it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to do these. Right. 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 But like Herm Edwards is another one that jumped. He's like he's 500 in the Pac-12. <laughs> And they have him at 21. Like, what, like, why? Because yeah, right. he's a big name, I guess. I just, yeah, yeah, it's just, I don't, I don't, and I had him at 30 because, like, the top, like, the top 30 are pretty easy to do. It's when you get into, like, the 32, 33 to probably 50. Split in the middle of the pack. Yeah, those, like, those maybe a bowl game, maybe not. I, I can definitely tell you've got Jeff Halfley bias. I love it. You're a Jeff Halfley guy. Stick to your guns. That's who you are as a man. You like Jeff Halfley. Uh, I, I also, just from a, you know, rival, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to save the rivals, but from a practical standpoint, when you're looking at all of this through a UK lens, we, you talked about the schedule making like, well, if they're up in that second group, like if, the, if, the, if they're in that second tier of Stoops teams at UK, the schedule, here's evidence that your schedule is good, is two of your four road games, or excuse me, yep. five, or is it two, or you got five road two games? Two of the four. Or yeah, two of the five because the Louisville's on the Louisville's road. on the road this year. Two of those are at South Carolina. Shane Beamer is the consensus 65th ranked coach at the very bottom, and then Vanderbilt mm-hmm. is 63rd. Right. That, 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 those are gifts when that's your road game instead of Florida. First year coaches in total rebuild modes. Yes. Same thing with Josh Heupel at Tennessee, who's 52nd on this list, despite having success at UCF. Yeah, I had him at 56, so right right in that same area. But yeah, and then Scott Satterfield. Who? I pretty I hammered Ooh. in these or Yankees. <laughs> so those are your road games, you know. You look at, you know, three of them are against bottom third coaches in the league, oh, and then you got you the Kirby trip and then spots. Mike Leach. I'm, oh, God, yeah. I love it. Oh, I absolutely love it. He's he was the second biggest dropper in the CBS sports rankings, down to forty fifth. Right. So I draw. I was a little harder on them than they were. Those are your three um, road games. Three road. Yeah, three of the five, and then you got Leach and Starkville and Kirby and Athens. Man, love the way the schedule is opening up. And yeah, just to shove it to the rivals, it's great when you're you're just twenty spots ahead of them, and especially mm-hmm. when momentum. Yeah, that stuff just matters. It, it matters so much, and particularly during just talking season right now. You know, with all the stuff happening at Louisville yesterday, they're still licking their wounds to an extent. And it seems like every time they try to get excited about anything, something bad happens. So yeah, they, they can't yeah. get out of their own damn way. But it, oh, love, just absolutely love seeing Satterfield, who was a media darling last year. Hell, him and Jeremy Pruitt. ACC Coach of the Year. They ACC Coach of the Year, and then Tennessee, they were the flavor of the month because they won, what, five straight games in a row? I saw a stat uh, this week, Lucky. It was from David Hale, who's ESPN's preeminent ESPN reporter, and he noted that Louisville was 0-6 when they got they, – they were it was a one-possession game. They had the ball with 10 minutes to go last year. 0-6. Mm-hmm. And – yeah, I mean turnovers in one possession games like that. That doesn't happen every year. That was some bad luck. But my biggest thing with Louisville is like the roster is just not in good shape. 
they um they haven't recruited very well and then the the whole like the whole off fields like my ranking with Satterfield obviously I, I follow them closer close more closely than I guess these other programs mm-hmm. and just seeing some of the stuff we're seeing and hearing some stuff I'm hearing it's just it's not good yeah this is not good right now. so that that heavily bakes into that obviously um so yeah I, I like I definitely like if you like I kind of think this is going to be last year at Louisville so the thing about that stat too, like it is for one, yeah, okay. I can, can be be convinced that some of it is a luck. And especially when you got a quarterback like Cunningham, dude just loves committing turnovers. But when I see Louisville fans, well, they were disproportionately lucky the year before. So it had to, mm-hmm. you know, water had to find. They were. Cover. They were. That yeah. That but was it was, that it was, was only three games in a 12 game season. Maybe four if that NC State game in 2019, like it ended up being a two possession yeah. game. That might have been so four versus six, losing in, all in the, and winning all. Some of some of the, some of that's just coaching, dude. Like the, six times yeah. you're in there and you can't get get it done in a in a ten game season. What we've seen with Satterfield when he plays teams with like a legitimate talent advantage over his team, it's been out. blowout city. That Miami game. So, Miami and Florida State his first year. Um, let's Clemson, obviously, Notre Dame, Kentucky. And then they played a you know, give them credit for beating Mississippi State had more talent in the bowl game. So you have to give them credit for that. But then this next year, I mean, you you saw kind of the same thing happen, I think. And he's and then they lost some close get teams, some, you know, coin flip games. They're like to Boston College and to um I'm trying to think of some other ones. But Miami, they got housed. Who else did they get housed by? Uh, you name it, they probably got. Yeah, housed I, by I can't. Even, I'm trying to because the schedule's so weird that I, I'm pulling up their schedule right now. Let's see the 2020 schedule. Okay, Miami, they got housed. Pittsburgh, they lost the close game. Georgia Tech was inexcusable. Notre Dame was a weird game that they lost. You know, they beat the bad Florida State team. Virginia Tech, close game. Virginia, close game. Syracuse, got awful. Boston College, close game. Like, they just lost a lot of close games last year. Um, but the schedule is going to get tougher now when you add Clemson and Kentucky back on it here in 2021. Ooh, and they plus are, Ole Miss, plus UCF. Prime time. They're the last. That's that Monday yes. night special where all the world's going to be watching mm-hmm. for about an hour. Yeah, uh, and that Monday night has given us classic moments in the past. The Butch Jones trash can. Mm, yeah. Um, Swag that. Kelly against Florida State. Florida State has that crazy comeback victory. Last year it had B like Zach Wilson's coming out party BYU beat Navy by like a drum a thousand that was a weird game that's always that's usually one of my favorite nights of the season because that game can that Monday night game has a tendency to get a little wacky man I I'm looking forward to when I first saw the the times too I was like ooh uh, that would be that would be fun um, because like. I thought we were going to get another Notre Dame game on a Monday night where it's like, oh, time to go to the the party platform or whatever the hell they call it, yeah. party deck. Um, but, yeah, they uh, – going on the road, another neutral site game. Uh, there, there's some great games that opening weekend. Got a very good schedule. Oh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. On the slate. You know, we'll talk about that more at length at a later time. But uh, before then, though, we got the PJ Championship this weekend. We do. Uh, down at Kiowa, the ocean course, 
my my brother who actually appeared on this podcast when we went down to georgia a couple of years ago he he's going thursday friday saturday bastard he's a charlestonian so he gets to live the good life and like it the last time we had a major you gave out your picks when i compiled my pool between me and my college buddies i just i hit play on the podcast and i submitted my picks and i won that or I, I came in second i came in the money second out of like 30 pretty good pretty good yeah, so you gave us bill zalatoris who else you got this week that's going to come from the top rope yeah. at the pga so this like with these majors these there's actually value to bet on these because there's really probably only 12 to 15 golfers that actually have a legit shot at winning so if you put if you pick the right one you could you could have something now this this course nick it's the longest in major tournament history whoa 7,876 yards, so nearly 8,000 yards. So you got to be long off the tee. If you're not long off the tee, it's going to be a long week. Now, with that, um, Pete Dye, who also designed the um, TPC Sawgrass, the players, um, he, he does mix in some dog legs and stuff and has some trees lined in certain areas where ac- you do need accuracy off the tee. But really, it's about getting off the tee, and then it's with your irons, get, hitting into the green. And then if you can do that, that's going to give you makeable putts. Um, so really you're looking for ball strikers this week. And like for me, Colin Morikawa is probably the best iron player in the world. He's not super long off the tee, but he's pretty accurate. He won the PGA championship last year. He's going off at 30 to one to win. Like, he's yeah. like, that's, that's a lot of, that's good value. I, mean, I believe he's number eight on the board. He's that's five to one to make top 30. Yeah. Like that's, that's really good. good. You're right. That's really good odds for a player that good. And uh, he's number six player in the world right now. And I just think I don't understand. Now his putter is bad. Like he, he's had, he has putting issues, but if he, if the putter's just average and he's striking the ball, like he usually does, he's going to be a top 10 player this week. You know, looking at some other, like Will Zalatoris again is a guy. He's a great ball striker. So he's going to be in it. Um, an underdog I kind of like is Keegan Bradley. He won the 2011 PGA championship. He's been playing really good golf this year, a bad putter, but he can ball strike. He's, had a three top ten finishes in his last seven starts. Um, now I, I played him to make the cut at minus two twenty five because I feel like he's playing so well, and that's a pretty good price to make the on a make the cut bet. Mm-hmm, that's true. So he's a guy I like, um, like a guy to stay like Patrick Reed. Um, it's not a super great like he's a, an elite putter, elite around the green, but not a super great ball striker. Like I don't th- think this is a good course for him. I played him to miss the cut at plus two twenty five. Yeah. Then Hovland is another Patrick guy who's been playing really well. He's got. 10 top 10 finishes this season. Um, Ooh, that so might he, be a nice 18 to one to win. Yeah. He, he's going to break through eventually. I feel like Xander is in, like, when is Xander Shoffley finally going to win one? Yeah. Xander's right there. I just don't know. If this if is the, this is the one spot. for him. Right now. Xander, like he's added some length off, off his tee shots this last year that it's going to give him a chance, but I just, this is not, this doesn't feel like the, I don't think the tournament for him. Man. Zal Torres has some good top 30, top 40 odds too. Yeah. Uh, here, here's something that uh, a, a, a little betting tip that, that TJ had was uh, parlaying golfers to make the cut with like an NBA playoff game this weekend. It's not a bad the, idea. Where you, you got one you like, right. Right. Then you you just really juices it up. You know, it's, right. it's kind of like whenever – you really like a single horse at the track and you just 
do a double and hit all, you know, and just like or hockey too. I guess if you if you're in the, in the yeah. Stanley Cup playoffs too, you can so do that. Th- that's a fun way to just juice up some of these bets. I've actually I've only done the pool thing until recently, but some of these these sports books have just been giving away money with promos where it's like, hey hit over 90 points in an NBA game. It's like one team or two where they just give you 25 free bucks. So I've got 50 extra bucks lying around. I'm going to have to just, just spray the board with some, a little some, bit. There $10 bets, you know, that, that's like golf is fun, but it's hard, like, it's not like a football game where you can just like, all right, I'm taking home dog plus 11. Yeah. Yeah. It's you, much you have, di- to, you have to spray the board. You have to have a little bit bigger bankroll to really have fun. Or do you just got a nickel and dime bets, which I think I'm not the greatest, but, but the payouts for, are good the top 30 bets because they mm-hmm. still give like nine to yeah. one odds. And I feel yeah, like top, tw- top 10, top 20 are probably my favorite plays. I've been getting into miss make cuts lately. Like Ricky Fowler has missed, I think eight of 13 Dude. cuts or something. Bryson. I played him a couple of times and it's cut in um, <sighs> Bryson at the masters odds on that. Bryson at the masters was brutal because I, you know, I had a buddy at like 17 to one and missed the cut and he, yeah. What he need like five birdies in a row to make it, and the bastard did it. Like, yeah, that, that was yeah. brutal. Yeah. Oh man. Like Kepka came back from injury last week, and he was like plus two seventy five, plus three hundred to miss the cut. And he missed like the last two cuts he played in, and he missed it like not even it wasn't even close. And like Ricky <laughs> has missed a bunch of them, so like he's been a safe play, and he's playing this week. If you want to look into that. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's that golf. There's a lot of stuff going on. Like you can get in the matchups and all that, all that good stuff, top tens, top twenties. You can bet, you know, you can bet anything you could imagine. Let's see here. I'm trying to see what's Brooks to miss the cut this week. Cause I guess he's technically, is, is he still hurt? Is yeah. He I mean, that, the, he cannot squat to read the green. Like mm-hmm. if you see him this week, Nick, he's got like <laughs> one leg hiked up. He's doing like, the yeah, like his one, one leg is like, a full stride out while the other knee, like he's while you leaning on the other knee, it's like he's plus one fifty to miss the cut. Yeah, that's <laughs> that it dropped a lot after last week because it, it wasn't even close last week. Yeah. Oh, it's fun. Should be should be some good TV on the tubes between that NFL or excuse me NBA NHL playoffs. Uh, yeah, got downs it's, after dark on Saturday. It's cowboy themed. Like it, I'm I'm, I'm gonna have a, a little handlebar mustache. So speaking of your brother going. Races, I was watching some of the coverage today on Wednesday. That'd be a fun one to go to. Indy? No, no I'm talking about um, it's PGA. You said your brother was going oh, to? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, especially the, at the ocean course, too. Yeah. Over half the holes are just right on the ocean. So you're just walking down the sidewalk. It's the ocean's right there. And then it's a huge course, so you can spread out. There's a lot of room for, like, the galleries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be, be, a, that'd be a fun one to go yeah, to. Especially – Right now in May, instead of when they normally have this in what August, you know. It's nice yeah, they to- moved it a couple of years ago, and because, to get them out of football season for the, the for the tour championship. And it's it's nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's nice to have one every month starting in April. Oh, man. Love it, love it. Well, we hope you love this podcast. Uh, it was a, it was a busy one. It was a fun one. What uh, could he'll share his entire coaching rankings at some point in the near future. Um, and we'll be back next week who knows what news will be on our hands but hey like we say, always say football never stops in the bluegrass for Adam Luckett and Nick Harouse this has been 11 personnel remember to go Cats and go Kroger